Music is central to our well-being. If you're listening here, chances are you feel the same. The Classical Post podcast uncovers the creativity that exists behind great music. We believe music is interconnected with other art forms and life experiences. It doesn't exist in a vacuum, but is often influenced by other sources. No matter who you are, cultivating your creativity is fundamental to being better in business and living a more holistic life. Discover more on this podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Eifert. Thanks for joining me today, and I hope you find something valuable in this episode. The American conductor Ryan Bancroft joins us on the Classical Post podcast today, where we speak about his new appointment as the chief conductor-designate of the Royal Stockholm Philharmonic Orchestra. Beginning in the 23-24 season, it's a very important role at one of Europe's premier orchestras. Growing up in California, Ryan made his way to the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland, where he discovered conducting. He then shot into the spotlight in 2018, when he won the prestigious Malco Competition for Young Conductors in Copenhagen. He was appointed Principal Conductor of the BBC National Orchestra of Wales in 2019, won the RPS Conductor Award in 2020, and now is appointed Chief Conductor-Designate of the Royal Stockholm Philharmonic Orchestra. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. He has a lot of profound ideas to share. My name is Ryan Bancroft. I am a husband, a musician, um, and a Californian. Let's talk about aesthetics outside of the music world. Where do you find inspiration to create music? Oh gosh, I, I find inspiration from all over the place. Um, I, I think at the root of it, music is so much about everyday things. And I know for myself, whenever I'm home, you know, I get a lot of joy out of baking bread, for example. That's something I've been doing for a very, very long time. I get a lot of joy out of just walking places, exploring, um, hanging out with friends. Um, it's really fascinating because, you know, a lot of the music that I do, a lot of music that a lot of classical musicians do is about Valhalla and the gods and a great story by Tolstoy and whatnot. And that's all amazing. Um, I didn't grow up with that though. So it's very simple things that I find a lot of inspiration and, um, spending time with my husband. Um, very simple things, very simple. If we think about other, uh, categories of like arts, uh, at large, uh, so art, like painting, sculpture, design, um, interiors, graphics, et cetera, architecture, and then fashion. So kind of those four buckets. Um, do you derive specific influence from those that you can kind of take and integrate it in your music making? It's all involved, I would say. I mean, I would say one of the great loves of my life is sculpture, actually. It's been something I've been obsessed with since I was a kid. I, I've never been talented enough with visual arts, so I never got into it, that's for sure. But um, I remember the very first time I saw a work by August Rodin, and I remember spending so much time with it and just figuring out how he made these plasters and made these bronzes and all these casts and everything. And thinking back to, you know, earlier sculptors as well from Roman times or Grecian times and how they would carve this thing out of marble. And there was just always something so fascinating about how the piece of art was always in the material. 
It just needed to be taken out by chiseling away at it. It's very different from painting in that way, in that you're applying something to something. There's something really fascinating about chipping away at something to get what's already inside the material. So in that way, if I had to pick something very specifically, sculpture is endlessly satisfying and inspirational to me. But also, you know, you think of painting, you think of fashion, how many colors are achieved in those worlds? I mean, I, I can't not be enthusiastic about those. I love that you bring up sculpture uh, because I, this is, you know, one of these questions that I love to ask anyone who's on the show and, you know, people talk about various things, but I don't think anyone has articulated um, the sculpture kind of category as you just did. And and I totally, I see that with music, that it's like that um, idea that you see uh, like a block of uh, marble and you have to kind of pull out whatever's inside of it. Isn't there this famous Michelangelo quote too, that he said something like that, this idea of you have to pull something out of the marble. I forget what that is. Do you no, recall? It's, it, I, I don't remember verbatim, but it's exactly that. Um, yeah, there's, there's something just endlessly fascinating about it to me. Um, and actually, I mean, sort of related to sculpture or visual arts in general, uh, a job that I've always wanted to have besides being a musician actually is to be an art restorer, actually. There's something that I find so incredibly similar about making music to being an art restorer. You get this work of art and you figure out how to dust off the cobwebs and how to get rid of the dust and what is the original intent? How old is the painting? How much of that should we honor? How much of that should we not honor? Asking all of these why questions as opposed to how questions. Um, maybe one day I'll have a pivot at some point, but... Um, for now, I'm happy as a musician, but you know, I don't know. I find a lot of joy in figuring out those connections. Describe a routine you have in place that helps you live a healthier life? There are a couple of things that are essential to my life in order for me to keep going at the pace that I'm going. Uh, one is therapy, um, which I have biweekly, and the other one is meditation, which I have to do before and sometimes even after every single rehearsal that I have. Um, it's a really fast-paced life that a lot of us musicians live, of course, and I'm no different from that, and I'm very fortunate for that, but I also know that if I don't take moments to myself to reflect, to sort of exercise my brain to make sure that everything is still ticking up there, <laughs> um, then I probably won't be well for that much longer. So I take that very, very seriously, even if it's just 10 minutes in the morning. Sometimes it's an hour. It really depends. Um, that's really integral to my life. Therapy as well. Um, I personally think of it as exercise for the brain. It's something that keeps everything in check. It keeps, you know, the voices at bay, if you will, and make sure, um, that I'm on the right track and everything. So for me, those two things, anything else on top of that is a cherry on top. In terms of energy specifically, is there something that you can point to that keeps you going? I mean, it could be some of those things you just mentioned, like as in the routines, but 
Um, I don't know. Is, is, can you speak to energy at all? Mm. On a, on a funny side, coffee, absolutely. Coffee is, is absolutely fantastic for my energy levels. And it's something that I take quite seriously, actually. Maybe that should be number three on my wellness. That's for sure. Um, I take time off extremely seriously. It's, I, I treat it as a job almost more so than my actual occupation. Um, I, I, I speak to a lot of my friends and we've kind of decided that there's two different types of time off. There's, um, time off to recharge, uh, to make sure that, um, you have enough energy for the next work week and that you have enough energy to learn what you need to learn and prepare what you need to prepare. And then there's simply time off that's not related to work. There is time off for you to do whatever the heck you want to do. Now, not everyone is lucky to have that. And I'm, I'm very empathetic towards that. I know for myself, if I'm going to give best of myself and the most honest version of myself, I need to have time to myself. I need to have time with my husband. I need to have time cooking and baking at home, which I find very important for my own mental health. Um, but that needs to be as important and treated as much of a job as the actual career itself. Otherwise, I'll be quite imbalanced. What is one specific product you highly recommend? So anything, skincare, food, tech, wine, you name it. One product. One product. Mm -hmm. I've been toying with this one actually when I read it because I was there. There are a few things that I bring with me. Um, for me, the one product that I take with me absolutely everywhere—it's—it's—it's it's, it's very simple and it can be different for everyone. But for myself, I have a really, really nice water bottle. Um, I know wherever I go, most um, dressing rooms I'm in or hotel rooms or whatever I'm in. There's so many plastic water bottles everywhere. And I always feel quite uncomfortable about um, having my footprint be that big. So I invested in a pretty nice water bottle. Um, and if I can keep that with me absolutely everywhere I go, which I do, then I'm perfectly happy. And especially when I'm flying and stuff like that, just, I don't know, staying hydrated is very important to me. That's for sure. <laughs> What specifically about the water bottle? Um, is it like a filtration sort of thing or? No, uh, it, it's, yeah. I love cold water. And, and I, okay. Need, okay. I personally need a water bottle that will keep it cold for at least 16 hours. <laughs> Got it. Um, okay. I mean, there, there, there are other more interesting answers, but I'm quite simple in a lot of ways. So, um, Is there a brand that you can point to that you chilies. love these? Chili's is the brand. Yeah. Chili's is the brand. It's, it's my go-to, that's for sure. What restaurant or bar do you love to eat at when you're in London? And I believe you live there, so you probably have lots of cool things to recommend. For me, my absolute favorite restaurant in London is this place called Dishoom. There are a couple of them around the UK, but I believe it was started in London. And it's a 
Um, it's essentially, it's an Indian restaurant. It's a Indian fusion restaurant as well. And the atmosphere is always really, really, really amazing. And the food is to die for. And it's now almost impossible to get reservations there just because it is so popular. I mean, if you're lucky, you can walk in, but that's only if you're lucky. I, I, I love it. Is there a particular thing that you love to do in London when you're not working, when you're not eating out, when you're not going to concerts, uh, et cetera? Uh, is there a, a, some sort of activity that you love doing? I am super lucky that I live near a massive park in London, a place called Hampstead Heath. Um, and it'll take you at least six hours to walk around that park. So for me, whenever I'm home, something that my husband and I like to do is just walk for, I don't know, three hours and just get lost in the park. There are still parts of the park that we've never even seen. So for me, usually one of the first things that I do when I get home, drop off my bag, go for a walk. We live pretty much next door. So that is, if I ever move away from London, that's probably going to be the thing I miss the most. Yeah, London has amazing parts and just yeah. so much acreage uh, to traverse. Like, so yeah, I can imagine for three hours could go by very quickly with just walking the parks in London. It's unbelievable. I, I love every second of it, honestly. Let's take a quick break. Did you know Classical Post is a brand built for your pleasure by Gold Sound Media, a New York creative studio developing content for music lovers around the United States. We're always looking for new opportunities to partner with music presenters, artists, and record labels. If you're interested in content to build your community, please get in touch. Head to goldsoundmedia.com. Now, back to the show. Congratulations, you're the new chief conductor designate of the Royal Stockholm Philharmonic Orchestra. What are you looking forward to in this role when it begins in the 23-24 season? Oh, there's so many things I'm looking forward to. I, the first thing that actually comes to mind, if I'm thinking just authentically, there's so much Swedish music that I'm going to learn about. Uh, there are so many incredible living and past composers um, in Sweden that I simply have no idea about. I've, of course, had a crash lesson over the past couple of months and over the past couple of years that I've been thankful enough to go up to Sweden and to Scandinavia in general to learn more about these different musics. Um, but that's the first thing I'm really enthusiastic about. I'm also incredibly enthusiastic to learn more about the education system that up there, the music education system in particular, um, there is so many talented people that come out of Stockholm as well as Sweden as a whole. And to learn how does that work up there? How does the orchestra fit into that as well, too? And then I would say most importantly out of all of these is figuring out how diverse Sweden is as well, too. I mean, we're really lucky that, you know, Stockholm is such a major city in Scandinavia, in Europe, in Sweden in general. And to be able to see how colorful that city is and see how the music can relate to that and and be a force of good as well um i'm just interested to see how all of these different ties link together and how can i be a part of that as best as possible 
Uh, are there any specific projects you can discuss yet um, when you enter the role? I mean, I know it's early on, so uh, or or maybe even some sort of like vision of of what uh, you would like to accomplish uh, in this role. Yeah, I think I, I can answer both. Actually, uh, probably the project I'm most excited about, and it has already been announced. It's it's similar to what I was speaking about with Swedish music. It's a piece by Sven David Sendström. Uh, called High Mass, which is this two-hour-long piece for choir, multiple soloists, and orchestra. And it's going to be my very first concert that I have with the orchestra, which I'm incredibly excited about and honestly um, a bit selfish that I get to do such a cool piece for a very first concert with uh, the orchestra as chief conductor. Um, and then the general vision for the orchestra, I can go into a lot of detail, but I think the thing that me and all of the people behind the scenes in the artistic, um, on the artistic side of things in the orchestra that are all very focused on is how can we get the quality better and better and better? How can we make the music more and more meaningful? That really is the basis of it all. I mean, if I'm thinking about amazing conductors of the past, um, Sakari Ormo was just there, incredible Finnish conductor. Um, I've learned so much just from listening to his recordings as well as watching his performances. He brought so much music there. Alan Gilbert brought so much music there as well, uh, previous chief conductor of New York Philharmonic and Royal Stockholm. They all brought very new repertoire. We live in the 21st century now where orchestras know a vast majority of the repertoire. I'm not going to bring Sibelius and think, wow, we're doing something brand new right now. But I can focus on making sure that it increases in meaning every single time we go on the stage. I think at least in this day and age, that's what's paramount. Uh, I see you have a few U.S. appearances this year, but have mainly performed in Europe. I'm curious how that uh, happened uh, since uh, I believe you're originally from California. Yes. Um, uh, I, I studied in Europe. I, uh, I, I originally studied in Los Angeles at a place called CalArts. Um, then I got two more degrees because one wasn't enough. Uh, one in Scotland and one in Amsterdam. And I ended up staying, staying over Europe side um, who knows? I might move back to the States one day. Maybe not. Maybe so. Um, but the competition that I did in 2018 had a large amount of orchestras that were a part of the prize that were primarily European-based. So my career is quite heavily European-based, um, but uh, the States is starting to come pretty strongly, which I'm really happy about. And I'm looking forward to working with orchestras that have a similar accent to me. Uh, well, I'm assuming that, especially once you get going in 2324 with um, uh, Stockholm, that, yeah, I'm sure other guest appearances would just kind of blossom across the U.S. That's, yeah, I'm assuming that would happen. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Uh, last question for you, success. What does it mean to you as a person? For me, success is balance. It's, it's knowing when I go into my job, I feel at the end of the day that I did a good job. When I go into my house as a husband, as a family member, as a partner, 
that I'm also doing a good job, that I'm showing up. There have been times where I did not succeed at both of those, as with most people. For me, success is being able to balance those two aspects of my life and as best as possible, be happy. I think I can measure success simply by happiness. Thanks for listening to the Classical Post podcast. I hope you have found it meaningful and that it gave you new ideas to cultivate your creativity to be better in business and life. So let's stay in touch. Remember to follow this podcast to get notified of new episodes and sign up for our monthly newsletter for album recommendations and editorial on leading artists. Just head to classicalpost.com slash subscribe.